All right, this is John. And this is Sean. And this is Movie Night with Sean and John. <laughs> hey, hey, check, check. Welcome to We're Movie back. Night. This is Sean. <laughs> I love it. This is John. So we're doing this thing. Um, we just got out of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So this episode, we're going to take a travel down the Quentin Tarantino Memory road. Lane, yeah. Yeah. And then build up to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which like it. we just got out of. And I really enjoyed just gut, gut reaction. I thought it was great. It's a lot um, to process, huh? Yeah. I feel like it would <laughs> almost, I, I feel like you're lucky that you got to see it two times because I feel like I would benefit from seeing it again. So, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, you've seen it, yes? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I've seen this movie a ton of times. This is one of my very favorite. It might be my f- personal favorite. I don't it, I don't know of that it's like the films. best or most accomplished or whatever, but I feel like it is one of it is maybe my favorite. It's the one that I would put on and like always enjoy. Like most of his movies are like that, but even, I could see it more times and just still keep enjoying it. You know what I mean? Reservoir Dogs is always the film that I kind of, uh, man, it's what I would recommend to people that I know like movies a lot and have the attention span, you know, to watch something really interesting that's more, like Pulp Fiction is way more mainstream, it's more streamlined too. It's like a, yeah. Yeah, and Reservoir Dogs, like, I mean, the story is phenomenal. The fact that they, the writing is fucking amazing, right? And it's basically an independent film almost. The budget yeah. was like a million dollars or something like that. Super low budget. I mean, it's only it only there are only two or three locations in the whole movie. You know, right? Most and of the movie takes place in that warehouse. Yeah. So main, it's set up like a three act play basically, and you can see how it could be like a stage play, and right? probably be amazing at that. You know. Yeah. And it, it works even better like with. Tarantino like behind the camera and directing everything I feel like and acting there's things he did in that movie that no one had ever done before like the trunk shot and like this circular the table thing shot. that he, yeah that he does in the introductory scene where they're talking about Madonna and all at that the re- like a virgin at the <laughs> and they talk about tipping yeah. like, this is the world's smallest violin playing only <laughs> for the waitresses it's like man this dude is just like cold-blooded but yeah I love that movie I think so man uh I'd say that's a five-star movie. I don't that's know how what, you do it any better than that. I think that's how Tarantino's been able to do whatever he's wanted after that. Because of the strength of that Reservoir movie. Dogs? Yeah. It's such a staple in, like, that era of filmmaking, but it not it doesn't just stay there. I mean, you could watch that right now, and it's still, it's still something that's, like, pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Yeah. Especially on a low budget, like, what yeah. you can do with like a very minimal setup. Yeah. You don't have to spend $200 million on a movie. Yeah, to make something that like resonates and not just for that moment, but like forever. Forever, yeah. Yeah. Love that movie. Um, Yeah, I'd say five stars on that. I'm going to agree with that. Like I think that's pretty perfect. I don't know how you do that any better. For your first movie, you know? Yeah, and that's what's really to, shocking To be that too. kind of definitive statement that like, it's a, it's a pop culture thing now, you know, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, Even uh, Torchy's Tacos, like all their tacos are named, like Mr. Pink yeah, and yeah. Mr. Exactly. Royale with cheese. How many, like, burger places, like, I've been to that have that on the menu, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that movie. So, Pulp Fiction. Um, love this movie, obviously. It's perfect. 
I think it's another five-star movie that's just like obvious, but perfect soundtrack. This one I would probably say is his best movie to me. Like it's number one on my list Man. because it's just so perfect and so accomplished and um, really innovative for the time with just how the story is structured. It's non-linear, but just done in a way that um, well, was just it's like super one of tasteful. The- and that was this is like one of the earliest examples I can think of of like a nonlinear movie because this is before Christopher Nolan. It's before like it was really mainstream, right? And uh, I've actually been watching a lot of Tarantino interviews recently, which is kind of crazy because he's just such a wild Weirdo. guy. <laughs> yeah. And he said basically, in films like Pulp Fiction, you know, whenever you read a novel, like you'll have chapters go forward and backwards, and they'll reference things and actually stop for like. 10 or 20 pages and explain like the backstory and then go back to current and he said like you know a narrative just straight linear story like uh is is kind of like the lazy way of filmmaking in his mind which you know that's interesting to each his own but yeah yeah. for him he he thought that like having a movie set up like a novel where like you could tell chapters out of order you could you, you know reference different things to different points was like the more interesting way to lay out his movie yeah, and it's just Pulp done fiction s- is just genius. Yeah, like it's, it's done so perfectly, and I love that. Like, there's a um, I I've had I own both of those movies, uh, and so like I've seen some of the director's cut kind of stuff. Yeah, and just knowing that like, when you don't really first notice it, but that that coffee scene with the robbery, like the dialogue is slightly different when it's shown from the two different perspectives of like Jules and um, Samuel L. Jackson's character, and then when it's told from, like, the robber's perspective in the beginning of the movie, the dialogue is, like, slightly different. Yeah. And that, to me, it's like... You mean in the last scene when it's a callback? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It comes back around, but the the dialogue is not the same, and obviously the shots are slightly different, and it's, like, different takes, and it's because they're different... Perspectives. Yeah, and just their memory, it would be different, you know? Like, person to person, they would experience it differently, they would remember it differently. I think, like, stuff like that was so brilliant and so ahead of its time. So, yeah, for me, perfect for sure. Even just the fact that Pulp Fiction is a pretty dark movie, and a lot there's a lot of death, a lot of the characters die, but the way he ends the movie is essentially what would be, what, like, the third scene if the movie was in order, right? Because it's after... I'm like I haven't so, seen it in a, in, a, in a. I've never watched it in an order, but you yeah, know, yeah. they clean their clothes off, they clean the car, and they walk out. It ends where they're walking out with the little oh, shorts right, right, right. and the t-shirts yeah, yeah, yeah. on, and it it's playing the venture song, the the yeah, surf yeah, yeah. rider or whatever. That's really like what would be the end of the first act, but he like ends the movie on like a high note, on a yeah. happy note, but really all this fucked up shit happens. And Travolta's about to die. And- <laughs> right, right, right. So like all this crazy stuff's about to happen, but yeah, he still yeah. wants to have like a happy ending for his movie. Yeah, just, I like, love that. Despite love all that. that. I wish, you and you said so too, I wish we had been able to watch all of them in the last like week or two. I just it's had a, a lot of shit going on. Yeah, it's a lot to, but, I tried. Um, yeah, I watched... Um, just recently, I watched *Inglorious Bastards* and *The Hateful Eight, which we'll get to. But um, those were—I mean, all of his movies are awesome, you know. Yeah. Before we even, because like it's just to go through them, it's like you—you you realize how many of them have been like amazing. So Jackie Brown, not my That's favorite the third one. Yeah, not my favorite. Man, so I Jackie Brown is probably one of the ones I'm least familiar with because I've only seen it probably twice. And I mean, it has a super strong cast. It's got De Niro. It's got. Samuel Jackson, Pam Greer. Yeah. I mean, uh, who else? I can't even think of who else is in that. It's been it's been a little while. Let's look at let's look. But um, one one thing that I always do remember with Jackie Brown is like the the use of the soundtrack, which is 
Quentin Tarantino's known for, right? Of He's course. got very distinct soundtracks for like all of his movies. Chris Tucker. Michael Keaton, I forgot about yeah. that. This one is, is honestly not my favorite, so like I haven't seen this one nearly as many times as I've seen the other ones. Me neither. Um but yeah, it's still, go on, it's go still on. worth watching. It's worth revisiting. And I, no, it is I good. need to revisit it. I've seen it a few times. I think I've probably seen it like three times, maybe four times. Um, which is, you know, I don't see a lot of movies more than three times. So it's like, it, it is a good movie. It's just not on the top of my list. Um, and what I think this movie does, I don't know. I guess the pacing of it for me was not like... It's a little long. Yeah, and just... The editing isn't it's not as, as sleek as like Pulp Fiction. It's, it's not, not as, as eventful. You right. Know? It's like it's still really good, and you can tell it's n- he could not make a bad movie. You know, so it's like it's always going to be artfully done. Just his the way that, uh, just cinematically, he's always going to do a great job. It's right. always going to look great. He's going to have great players, but this movie just doesn't resonate with me as as um well as maybe some of the other ones. Yeah, me neither. I would. I would. I would say this isn't my least favorite, but it's down on the it's list. It's down on the bottom of, of my list it's for sure. It's not top five. No. So this I, is like right there. I think this is just above Death Proof for me, which is like <laughs> just bottom of the barrel. That's the worst of the yeah. worst. I'd give this like three and a half stars maybe. It's more and good than really bad. And that's really saying something, of course. No, it's good. Like I'd say three and a half too. I think that's fair. I'd, I wouldn't go to four stars. It's yeah. good. It's not his best stuff, but he is just coming off of, like, two of the most important movies of, like, the last, like, however long, you know? Okay, so Kill Bill. Man, so I did watch Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 for preparation of this movie. I watched these in the last year or so. Yeah, and it maybe we'll get to it a little bit later, but I might have, like, overhyped myself a little (laughs) bit for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because Kill Bill Volume 1 is like one of the greatest like action like kung fu action it's hong kong action whatever movie. yeah whatever you want to call it it's fantastic it's yeah. awesome super entertaining yeah man and just the way that he miss it's like a smorgasbord of like different genres Approaches to and, filmmaking yeah yeah it starts off with the black and white scene you see the bride getting beat up she gets shot in the head and then like boom fade to black fourth film by Quentin Tarantino Kill Bill and it plays that badass Nancy Sinatra song yeah like through the credit, the opening credits. <laughs> right and away, then, you're like, damn, he's really like yeah, back on it. This is fucking awesome. And then, you know, it's got, it starts with the fight where uh, he goes to, uh, I don't remember. Uma her Thurman uh, goes to Vivica Fox's yeah, character. I don't remember her house. character's name, but they have the fight there. And then it kind of backs up and it's telling like the origin story of Lucy Lawless's character. Which is like an anime segment. I like, loved that portion yeah, of the movie. It's, it's I think awesome. it's innovative and it's just interesting to see just such an immediate shift in tone between a live action film that's like a martial arts movie, it's a revenge movie, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here's like 10 minutes of anime yeah. as well. And it's like, I'm just going to tack that on there. But it's so perfectly done that you're like, you've you're never seen anything like it before yeah. and you're just in. Yeah, you're invested. And it's funny because I watched this with my fiance earlier, and she doesn't really like like action movies or like ultra violent stuff. But even for her, she was just I was like, "Well, you ready to watch Volume 2? She's like, "Yeah!" Like she was like all about it. I feel like as soon as you see the first movie, that like I actually saw it in the time that it was released in theaters, you know. Oh, and cool. so like I feel like as soon or 
did I ever see it on DVD? I know that as soon as I saw it, there wasn't the second one to watch after. You know what right, I mean? Right, you had to wait. Yeah, I had to wait some time for the second film to be released, and I remember thinking, like, wow, that's so. this is so cool to see him be able to, like, bridge this gap between just standalone pictures and then, like, something that's greater and it's going to be at least two films. Like this overarching yeah. story. Yeah, and just that, that was just the first half, and it was so, like... Um, innovative you know and just yeah. kind of like over the top and so entertaining the part where lucy uh lose character cuts that guy's head guy. clean off and it it's like a, literally a sprinkler stuffed in like the little, <laughs> yeah. this little body and just like <laughs> it's so amazing i, I had never or seen like cutting like limbs that. off they do like the same kind of effect later on like where they cut limbs off and it's just spraying blood and it's so stylized like when um, she's training. They show these training sequences where, like, it's like color and Uma Thurman, like, is like just a shadow or just like a silhouette yeah. against the kind of kung fu background. It's so um, cinematic and just the quality of it cinematically is so high that it's like this guy obviously loves movies and he's going to make his, you know, the best version of this kind of revenge fantasy kung fu spaghetti western that he can and it was so and with good with some huge names attached too right. so you know obviously Uva, Uma Thurman and uh, David Kerrigan plays uh, Bill plays Bill yeah. and then Michael Madsen is yeah. more in the second one but he's in this Vivica one David K. Fox Lucy Liu, Lucy Liu. the Rizzo uh, did the, did the <laughs> yeah. music to it which is awesome oh man so I Kill Bill Volume with, 1. With rewatching this, I would give Kill Bill Volume 1 a 4.5, and I know that's high, and it's higher than it's most critics, though. but I love it. Like, yeah. it, it, to me, I'm on the edge of my seat the whole time. It's hard to, it's hard to like, measure a movie like this in, in contrast to a typical five-star movie, I feel like, more... Mm-hmm kind of serious movies or whatever you know what i mean yeah it's not, it tends to it's be not those like kinds that to me kind of get yeah exactly <laughs> but at the same time it's like i'd go absolutely go to four stars maybe to me i almost like volume two even more really yeah well, that's a good let's, um let's get into so i'd say two. four stars maybe and then yeah kill Bill volume two i love this movie like i love the final scene and i love that the relationship it there's this gray area because both of these people really loved each other yeah and you feel that and they inflicted so much pain on each other but they still have this like deep love for each other yeah and um and man, you like it, almost want them to just get together at the end but and like right off in the sunset impossible but, at this point you know right right so much has happened that it's like <laughs> I love just like the little like the little details that he puts in his mo- so you know it starts off with Michael Madsen's character because in the first one she's she only has two names crossed off her list right. so she has most of her list still for the second one so yeah, it starts yeah. off with Michael Madsen wait three because she kills Vivica A. Fox she kills uh, uh, Lucy Liu she kills uh, the blonde girl too she rips her other no, that's eye that's in out. the volume two because she kills her at Michael Madsen's trailer. She's That's in, in there. too? Yeah, because she's trying yeah, to buy the Hattori Hanzo sword. Okay, okay, okay. Go go for it. So, like, Michael Madsen. So, the ripping of her eye out, the... Um... That's, like, in the second act okay, okay. of Volume go for 2. It. Go for it. But, uh, man, so the part where she's buried alive and punching through the... the Love it. The buried casket... And it, fucking awesome. And it goes... Then walks flashes to, back to where she's, like, training and she's doing this, yeah. like... Yeah. Which is, like, super, like, you know, an homage to the Kung Fu yeah. movies. It's amazing. It it's, really works. And then it turns into, like, a Western revenge with Michael Madsen's character. I feel like Volume 2 has more heart 
somehow. Like oh, it yeah, pulls yeah, a little definitely. bit more at your heartstrings. It, it really solidifies why she's doing what she's doing. It but dives at the same into time, the relationship. Yeah, with her and it, and Bill. it really highlights the background of like he's the guy who took her to get trained, and this is where she gets trained, and this is where she learns to do this thing that ultimately saves her life. It all kind of comes full circle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's almost like sweet in a way somehow yeah that i, I like i don't know it's like uh, i really love the first one it just feels like this one has just a little bit more heart and it has all the same things that i love about the first one it's fantastical the the revenge element like the the kills and stuff is so Snatch, awesome the snatching snake, a, like her eye out doesn't one of them get eaten like michael madsen actually yeah, gets, gets killed by, by the venomous snake whatever yeah, the... whatever her name is um, black Mountain Mamba or something. <laughs> no, black, she Uma Thurman's the Black, black Mamba. It's the most poisonous yeah, you're right. Snake. So the Black Mamba is the snake that she puts in the thing with the million dollars yeah, yeah. for the Hattori Hanzo sword. I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting my, get mixed up on like key details because I feel like I saw both of these in the last like year when well, they went on Netflix. But you usually but watch I, them back to back, right? And I did, but I feel so, like I'm I'm just like a little blurry on where the distinction is. Yeah, where the cuts are. They, I wasn't sure if they would hold up, but I feel like they both they do. really, really do. Man, I don't know if I go to 4.5 because that's so high for this one. I'd say I'd say both are, of these are like four-star movies. I think I this one, I I don't know if I... Maybe I do like it a little bit more. Yeah. You do? Maybe. Man, to me, the first one was like something I'd never seen before. Totally. And with the like You ultra, can't take anything away from it. Ultra-violent like, just my ending personal... scene where they have to switch to to black and white because there's so much blood that it couldn't pass like an R rating. It would have been like an unrated movie. My favorite list of his movies would be slightly different than like my best of list. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I feel like Kill Bill Volume 2 couldn't possibly be higher on that list than Kill Bill Volume 1 just because it kind of like, like started tied. a certain thing. But like it would be just under, you know? Yeah. Um, but I still like it a little bit more somehow, <laughs> like personal preference wise. Um, what's up next on that on that list? Um, is that Death Proof? I think you're right. I think so. This was not my favorite. <laughs> this is my least favorite of all of his movies. I actually really don't like this movie very much, man. Man, the problem with Death Proof is that it was released the Grindhouse double feature, and I Robert Rodriguez's movie is was perfect. so awesome. Yeah. Planet Terror is badass. So awesome, and it was like. To me, that was everything I wanted out of this double feature idea mm-hmm. was Planet Terror, like kind of B-movie excellence, just like crazy over the top, just like right. really fantastical. Where they're and just driving so... around hitting zombies and it's just exploding like... And I feel like Tarantino's movie is just... was. It's just not very um, appealing to me. It's not very interesting to me. I'm not pulled in by those characters. And honestly, I can't really even recall what the... Because I've only seen it a couple times because I actually just don't really like it. Yeah, it's... I would definitely say it's like his worst. I know it's Kurt Russell. Yeah, I like Kurt, Kurt Russell's Russell Russell a lot. character. I don't remember his name. Um, he's like a driver, right? Yeah. Um, it's just... Car. I don't know. It's all right. I, I, man, I don't even know if it'd be fair to rate this off the top of my head. I'd say maybe two and a half just because it's him and like... It, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's just... I don't really think this is a great movie. I feel like it was kind of a throwaway, which makes sense for, I guess, like if you have this little double feature, you're just going to kind of like have fun with it. But yeah, he just, almost shouldn't even it count f- it as like one of his it one of his releases. You know? I hope he had fun with it because it wasn't any fun to watch, really. You know, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not that entertaining. Like, think of how entertaining his other movies are and how rewarding they are. Or memorable. Like it, his other movies have this really memorable dialogue. These like iconic scenes. Yeah. That are this like forever cemented into some, your memory and yes, yeah. yeah, just the history of movie making. 
I I don't even know if I could rate this movie. Maybe two stars. Like, it, yeah. I probably won't ever watch it again. Yeah, I would never. I I would not watch it again unless literally unless the double feature comes back to River Oaks and like that's the way you see Planet Terror. Is if I would go. That'd be to, cool. That'd then be I would fun. go do it. But yeah, otherwise I don't know. Um, what's next? What On to one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, which this is up there, man. That it's probably this is maybe in my top three, three for me. Yeah, it's in my top three for sure. Uh, excellent cast. You know, you got Brad Pitt. This movie's got, incredible. You've got Christoph Waltz. You've got Michael Fassbender. It's like Eli Roth is in it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love that Eli Roth. Um, I I, I just love that they their have relationship. The, a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And um, man, and the whole movie's hilarious. Dude. Like it's so funny, but at the same time, it's so like kind of visceral in a way because it's just so like violent like hyper violent like when uh eli roth's character like the bear jew and he <laughs> smashes that guy's head in with a baseball bat and he right beats away, their heads in with the baseball bat yeah <laughs> he's just like fucking what did he say he's like fucking mickey mantle he's like home run he you know and like he just the guy literally he hits him one square time in the head with the baseball bat and the guy's just like like convulsing and his eyes roll back in his head and it's so like oh my god you know it's like so intense um, but at the same time, it's hilarious. Like Brad Pitt, I oh, want yeah. my scalps. He's like, <laughs> I need 100 Nazi scalps. And he's like, and I will get my, sca- my scalps. <laughs> and I will get my scalps. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. Dude, I remember the first time watching this I'm movie. I'm going to grab one more beer. Keep going. The, the intro where they're in France with uh, Christoph Waltz when he goes to the little farm and he's looking for like the Jews and he knows that they're there and he does like a uh, diet. He has like a monologue in three different languages. So he starts off it's insane. In, in German talking to the soldiers. Then he switches to French to talk to the head of the house. So that, and then yeah. he switches to English. So and that they can't like hear what he's saying. Yes. And I just remember watching that for the first time and going like, this is fucking genius. Like I, every time I watch one of his movies, I'm like, well, it can't be better than Pulp Fiction. You know, it can't be better than like Kill Bill or Reservoir yeah. Dogs or... You he know, keeps managing to to just bring something essential to movies. You yeah. Know? No matter what he does, it feels really vital. And it's like, man, how did movies happen before, you know, or how you did they tell, exist before yeah, that? Yeah, this know? is the guy that that worked at the at the movie shop, right, and that is obsessed with film. He's mastered that, that knows the craft, every know? reference to every film ever and weaves them in and out of his, like, narrative, really. Yeah. You know, one of the characters in this movie owns a, uh, owns a cinema, and I know they reference different movies throughout, and they're, like, weird French movies that yeah. I've never heard of, but he still, like, takes the time to, like, reference them. Yeah. But this is, like, a statement. And yeah, it's, it is. I, I recently watched. I love that uh, he even says in the film, he's like, "I think this just may be my masterpiece," or whatever. <laughs> yeah, when he, and he like carves that dude, the swastika, swastika into, into that dude's his head, head. Uh, into Christoph Waltz's character. Yeah. yeah, like, and it's so rewarding. Like, just because everyone likes the idea of all the Nazis of high command getting killed, and like, just that this in revenge fantasy, and just like. That's how I would like to imagine it. Like, how wouldn't have been so? Wouldn't it have been so awesome if these Americans and this French woman and her boyfriend had like actually stopped the war? Yeah, at this like, earlier that's point. so sick. Just the idea of it, and it's so it's so simple too. It occurs to all of us. It's like, man, what if we had just, you know, like ended it a little bit sooner or whatever, or actually like gotten to Hitler and been able to like 
kill him ourselves yeah. or whatever. It's a, it's a revenge fantasy that's so rewarding because we would all like to see it that way. And it's such a fresh take on like the World War II movie because yes. every World War II movie and there's a lot of great They're ones. They're so dark. But like watching Saving Private Ryan good reason, is like but, an emotion you know. takes an emotional toll on you, you know, like he you can't just pop right. that in. Or Schindler's time. List. Schindler's List. I mean, there, there's tons of them. And those movies are heavy and they're yeah. hard to watch. But Tarantino and, yeah. always keeps like the fun aspect. They're rewarding in their in own his... way. But somehow he managed to take this this era, which is so like just heavy and dark and, and make it like lighthearted, you know? like And like fun. And bring a comedic element to it and really pull you in immediately because of just this idea that uh, Aldo, you know, Brad Pitt's character has this team, the bastards of, of like, like these Nazi Jewish hunters. soldiers who are hunting Nazis. Each <laughs> There's like eight, how many of them? Eight something or nine like or that. something like that. And they all have to get a hundred Nazi scalps. They have to kill a hundred Nazis. I just think that's so sick, you know, and they're like guerrilla warfare. Like they, they take Nazi little bit by Nazi little bit and they keep killing soldiers and then, releasing one of them to like go tell other people what they did and shit like that. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's crazy. That's so awesome. And he's like, I have part Apache in me. And he's like, so we're going to take the path of the Apache resistance. And he's like, <laughs> it's like, that's so sick. You know, like, man, to me, this movie, I think it might be perfect too. Fuck. Like, I, 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 I don't know how you could make it any better. And I don't know how you justify it just because this one is a little bit, fantastical and kind of silly and comedic that doesn't make it any less perfect to me you know yeah it I, really yeah, I think is. that elevates it if anything because you can tell this is like an artist that enjoys his work and like really wants like people the to audience have to have fun yeah. like i want people to come see my movie i want them to enjoy it i'm gonna do whatever the fuck i want <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. and i watched and that's why it's always fun yeah man. i watched a uh, interview with him yesterday and he was talking about writing inglorious bastards and he's like, yeah, I just had this, I kept coming to this point, like, what do I do with Hitler? Does he just get away? <laughs> he's like, he's like, so I was up at like 4 a.m. writing the script, and I just had this idea, like, I just want to kill Hitler. And he said he just wrote on his notepad, like, kill Hitler. He's like, I'm going to go to sleep and see what I think when I wake up. And he said he woke up in the morning, he's like, yeah, kill Hitler, let's do it. And <laughs> I he's love just like, it, man. the part where, I think it's, it's like so Ryan rewarding. from The Office, right? Yeah. And he's just like machine gunning Hitler just in the face, just like, bah, over bah, bah, and bah. over and over again until and he's I like love so dead, you know, he's been yeah, dead. Yeah, but like, as, I mean, it's as so a human rewarding. being, you just yeah. want to see like this mass murderer just get like out, like just done in. That's you know? what's so amazing is it's not just a single character's revenge fantasy for this film as it is in Kill Bill. It's like the your world. revenge <laughs> fantasy too. It's like, yeah, you, everyone is in on it, you know? Yeah. And that's what Django also does so well. But anyway, before we move on, I want to say, I don't know, man. I'm, I would say at least four and a half. I might even go so far as to say another five stars just because I fucking love this movie. I've seen it a number of times. Always love it. It's always hilarious. And yeah. I so did you give, wait, did you give Reservoir Dogs and Pulp, Pulp Fiction, Fiction yeah. five stars? You got to. I, I don't see any other way. So that those would be the three? Yeah, those are my top three for sure. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, and Glorious Bastards. I think I would agree with you. And I've seen those three the most too. Those are my favorites. But it's also hard to be critical of the next film that we're talking about, Django Unchained, because I saw this the day it came out. I love this movie, On too. Christmas Day, and it was, like, literally one of the most fun movie experiences I've ever had in my whole life. Right. Me and my sister went and saw it, and I was, like, 
fucking like cheering on the the scene where they're playing that tupac song and they're having like the shootout in the plantation <laughs> like it's just so awesome like everything about this movie it's is so stylized but also it, it still has substance you know yeah it's definitely. not style over substance it's like style and substance combined to create something that's still really it's yeah. really fun it's the perfect like cross point between and it's actually two. a beautiful movie too like i feel like Around this time, Inglorious Bastards, Django, what comes just after Hateful Django? Hateful Eight. Yeah. And Hateful Eight is gorgeous, dude. Like, that to me is the best part of that movie is how it looks. But, like, yeah. I feel like it's around this time where he starts, even even in the theaters when you go to see his movies now, like, it's like showing in this millimeter, you know? It's like telling you this was shot on film. You're going to see it on film if you want to pay for that, you I know? I think that was an And I've been going to his, see movie, his movies right? like that as much as I can. I don't know that this one was like that, but I know that Hateful Eight was. I'm pretty sure it was advertised, it. like, playing in beautiful 35 right, millimeter. Right. And it was gorgeous. It was, yeah. like, amazing. But anyway, this movie is very rich cinematically, artistically, and just visually, but at the same time... Uh, like Jamie Foxx is incredible in this movie. Christoph um, Waltz, dude, comes DiCaprio. Back. Oh man, yeah. DiCaprio is a uh, like venomous <laughs> kind of like you know just like awful character. Don he, Johnson's in this. Yeah, right? he's fucking awesome too, <laughs> man. Like everyone who shows up does a really good job, and this movie's very comparable to me. It's almost like an A and a B side. You know what I mean? It's of like, like to me, Inglorious Bastards is the A side. This is the B side. It's still awesome, you yeah. know. But it's like an accompanying kind of bit almost. Yeah, because I it's, think so. That's again, fair. it's like your revenge, revenge fantasy, but it's for a different time period, you know. Right. And Something now, equally as fucked up. Exactly. That you, that you do want to. That see also the flip needs side. some correcting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like what would it have been like? You know, and that's what I love again about this movie is. Um, yeah, I feel like the final acts of these revenge fantasy movies are like, it's really when it swells to like a fever pitch and it's just like really um, impactful, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I would, really like this movie. I would recommend Django Unchained. Like, so I guess to earlier. To casual movie goers. Right. And also to people who just like love movies. And So like earlier we were talking about like Reservoir Dogs. I would recommend that to someone that like It's a movie really, lover's movie lover. Right. I mean movie or whatever. Uh, movies like Pulp Fiction, Both of the Kill Bills, I think, uh, Inglorious Bastards, Django. I would recommend those to like every person alive. Yeah. Like you're going to get something out of like. It's fun. No movies. matter what. Yes, they're excessive and they're violent. <laughs> but like also they have this really like kind of deep uh, personal issues that they touch on and he said that he he does put like his life into these movies really but they're like metaphors yeah, yeah. so it might be like a breakup or something right, right right it's like how or just things that bother him and then he makes like a rev crazy revenge movie they are know? like deeply human movies you know yeah um and even as fantastical as they are you know and right. and as excessive as they are ultra violent as they are um, they still have a lot of human element totally to it. and there's depth to it emotionally for sure and it's like what do seeing these images make you feel versus the opposite you know because the opposite is emotional too like history is really emotional and right. seeing those images is emotional in its own way and this is like the exact opposite like what could we you know how would you feel if you saw this rather than that and you feel so it's so exhilarating to like see 
what should justice happen yeah. you know what i mean yeah because like, it's, uh, it's what we all want when you're watching like 12 years a slave you're like man i wish this guy would just like fucking kill these people. annihilate all these slave <laughs> yeah. owners like that'd be and, so badass and and when yeah. you see it yeah when you see it on screen it's like how finally has no one you know <laughs> yeah. thought of this before but at the same time it's like wow this is so innovative you know i i That's, he strikes such a great balance with with you know these few movies right in a row like kill bill volume one volume two uh inglorious bastards django it's like very you know it's all revenge fantasy stuff yeah. basically um but just super well done I would give Django a solid four and a half. I mean, it's oh, it. Wow. I think it's fun, dude. No, like, it's awesome. It, it is. And it, it's it's like what you touched on earlier. You know, like we've seen Twelve Years a Slave, and that's a great movie too. But like, sometimes you want to see like, I I do want the fantastical element. I want to see these yeah. motherfuckers get. It's get what you shot imagine would yeah. be, you know, fun to see on screen, and it is, you know. Yeah, like when he just walks up and shoots DiCaprio, and you're just like. <laughs> And I love Leonardo finally, DiCaprio, but you're like, you're finally, like, this fuck. piece of shit is dead. You know what? There's one scene I want to talk about in this that I think is it's really interesting. Like, uh, DiCaprio was improvising at, in this scene where they're With at the, the dinner table, and he, like, slams his hand on the table, and his hand is, like, bleeding and stuff, and he, and like, wipes really his happened. blood on, like, one of the actresses. Mm-hmm. And, like, all that was in real time, like, just improvisation, like, because his hand actually started bleeding. And, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like... That's the level of filmmaking that's happening when Tarantino is directing movies. Like right. every time, basically, Death Proof being like the one exception. All the other movies, it's like they are inspired. You know, maybe not all of them resonate the same way or, or as impactful, but like they all are inspired. You know, man, and DiCaprio is one of the greatest actors I fucking, in the yeah. history of all of cinema. I love DiCaprio. He's, I would say, like, what he's doing now is comparable to, like, what De Niro, De Niro did yeah, or like in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost something that... Or, like, Daniel Day-Lewis, you know? Yeah. Just, like, he's guys like on who the are stride dependable. of just, like, excellence. Like, every yeah. movie he does is great. Yeah, and, he's incredible. And seeing him, like, directed by... Because this was the first time Tarantino had directed him, and I had been, like, looking forward to that for... Yeah. Since it was, it was a, announced. That's what I love about Tarantino, man, is he knows what a bill a good bill looks like you know what i mean like it's the equivalent of like going to see a tour that's just stacked it's like damn they know how to put a bill together you know it's like i can't wait to see all these things like together like you know with once upon a time in hollywood when when we eventually get to that it's like pacino (laughs) dicaprio uh brad pitt margot robbie like uh just like this this long list of just like A-listers from one time or another, you know what yeah. I mean? And then also the current time, Brad Pitt, DiCaprio being in one movie, it's just like, wow, everyone's going to go see this because it's like undeniable. Like, Yeah, how has this not happened before? <laughs> it's insane. Pacino, Brad Pitt, like, that's crazy. And then yeah. you you throw in Leonardo DiCaprio as the lead, you know, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to see that, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but for this movie, I would say I'd give it a solid four stars. Yeah. I love this movie. Um it to me is so toward maybe the bottom half of my list only because all of his other movies i mean all of his movies are so good it's hard to they can't all be top 5 yeah and this one is amazing but to me inglorious bastards was just that kind of nail in the coffin this was like really really good it's definitely still a gut punch and it's like super entertaining super fun super rewarding but it it um it's not up there for me in the top 5 yeah I, I get that. They can't all be top five. Yeah. He has ten movies. Right, or nine yeah. movies. They we we got to put them five. somewhere. 
so what's next just up to that? Is, uh, Inglo- or, sorry, next up is uh, Hateful Eight. Okay, so this one's also at the bottom for me. Yeah, I tried to. Django's re- definitely definitely better than Hateful Eight. Like, yeah, no question. I Django to, is great. I tried to rewatch this recently, and uh, this movie's kind of hard to kind of hard to get through because it's so violent. And then you know, there's there's just a lot going on, and it's like really heavy. And then the story is also. It's a little bit the pacing on this one. Again, it's it's comparable to Jackie Brown, I think, in that way, is that the pacing is a little bit more deliberate. It's long-winded. But it's not as rewarding as some of the other movies. Right, and it's hard to... I like to, this movie. It's hard to come off but of... But uh, it's not, it's not uh, up there for me. Think about the pressure coming off of Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, with the, which were both great, and Glorious Bastards, and Django Unchained. And, and then you want to do a fucking Western movie right. after. Like, how... All of those movies were just phenomenally received too you know right like big blockbuster hits and also just critically fun like popcorn acclaim. movies that everybody loves and yeah. then you're gonna go to like all right now a I'm more gonna... thoughtful kind of like two hour 45 minute you know western movie right and there's a version of this on netflix that's actually like four hours long it's like an extended cut of uh hateful eight Ooh. and they actually break it into like four parts like a mini series or something no so shit. it's four different hour long parts because i guess nobody can sit through <laughs> All of it. To me, that's unwarranted because even the two hour and 45 minute version of this feels real, uh, a little bit long to me, yeah. Yeah, and that's the major flaw. Like 45 minutes long. I I would say that is the flaw because. Although I do love some of the scenes in this. Like I was telling you earlier when Samuel L. Jackson's, like, he convinces that old uh, Confederate general to, like, pick up the gun so he can, like, shoot him. Yeah. Uh, he like convinces him that he like made his son like suck his dick at least for like a blanket <laughs> and then he didn't give him the blanket in the end. I just think that's so insane and like I love that Samuel L. Jackson is always he shows up when Tarantino is directing him in a way that I don't know that he does in some of his other movies. Yeah. He's yeah. he really shines when they shine together, you know what I mean? But like I love seeing him in that movie because he's just hysterically laughing like he's like he's like you see your son he's like with a uh, black dude's dingus in his mouth and he's like <laughs> he's like he was licking all over my johnson just like the craziest <laughs> shit and then he, he finally gets the confederate guy to like uh pick up the gun and just kills him and it's it's, it's rewarding it's like a little kind of uh, Django or Inglorious moment in yeah. there, it, and it just only sprinkles them in in this movie. That's the thing is, it's really kind of it's more few and far between, much more drawn out. And uh, man, we should have touched on based. Sam Jackson a little bit earlier because he's in almost every single one except Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Death Proof. Right? Are those the only two he's not in? He's not in. Oh, he is he in? No, he's, he's not in, in Kill Bill. Dogs. Oh yeah, yeah, not so. Uh, there's three he's not in, but Sam Jackson. He got his start a little bit later on. His first movie is Goodfellas, right? Oh, uh, yeah, he's definitely in Goodfellas. Yeah, I he think plays, that was his first movie. He, he, he might have been. A, he might have been in a Spike, uh, a Spike Jones movie before, or Spike, Spike Lee, Lee movie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was. You're probably right about that. He might. That might have been his first. But Pulp Fiction was like his fourth movie, and that's what elevated him to stardom. And it's I feel one of like, the first ones you think of when you think of Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. It may be the first one you think of. And I think you made a good point. Like I feel like he almost has this respect for Tarantino because he knows that he wouldn't be like where he is now. I mean, now he's he's huge. He's in like the Avengers. He's and a all superstar. Kind of shit. Yeah. But he's yeah, commercials together and, though they really do some of their best work. You know. Yeah. Like I love totally. seeing. Samuel L. Jackson in Tarantino movies, and I just feel like he, all like in uh, Django, mm-hmm. he's he's like this just 
kind of menacing element but at the same time he's comedic you know yeah and then when you finally see him die it's like awesome and super rewarding <laughs> but like in, in in uh jackie brown he's one of the most compelling elements of that movie yeah. otherwise not that great of a movie to me he's probably like the best part of it pulp fiction he's fucking amazing yeah um but yeah he, so back to the present back to uh <laughs> well <so. laughs> which one are we on we're on uh, we're on Hateful Eight. Okay, so which Hateful Eight actually ties into Hateful Eight because I think he's the best yeah, part of Hateful Eight. One hundred percent. Like he actually his time on screen is the most enjoyable for me. Uh, I like the Domergu girl. I just don't find the characters to be that compelling in this movie. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't draw you in, even in the way that Br- Jackie Brown does. Like to me, this is lower than Jackie Brown on my list. Really? So what would you rate it then? What was, what's your final star rating? He can't make a bad movie. I'd still maybe say it's definitely, like, I'd say three and a half just because it looks, really? yeah, I would because it looks so good. And like that part of it to me is worth seeing. I've seen it a few times. I think it's actually worth seeing at least a couple of times because even just cinematically, like, do you remember the very first shots like this cross and it just zooms out super, yeah, it's like a frozen super cross. slowly and it's like, it shows you kind of the environment and just like, and the music that's playing, but the whole thing yeah. is super cinematic. That opening bit is just indicative to me of like the quality of the shots is so high, you know. And I remember seeing it in theater, like on film, and it looked amazing. So I feel like for that reason alone, I'd say three and a half. It's not like the best movie. I I could see why people would give it three, but I I'm gonna. I mean, it's Quentin Tarantino, you know. It's like it's not bad. Yeah. It's like it's definitely way better than it is bad. It's definitely long, but I it's think it's a little long. I've here. seen it a few times, so I, I would actually, I would say three and a half. So if you go three and a half, I'll be the stingy one this time <laughs> and go three. It's not one of my favorites. I also have to say that Tarantino's just one of my absolute like favorite directors. So yeah, there's yeah. a bit of um, you know. bias there. <laughs> yeah. So let's get current. We just. Got done watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Man, so this was pretty good, man. This I, was pretty good. I think I, I this is the second time I watched it because I saw it opening night. What too. do you think? Man, Having seen it two times, I I really enjoyed it, and I'll try to put off any kind of spoilers for a little bit. Um, yeah. The pacing of it, it's funny because this is a longer movie, and it's probably about the same length as uh as Hateful Eight, but. Right. DiCaprio carries this whole movie you way know? better than that. Movie. Yeah, yeah. His character's so interesting, and I love it's just he's like this washed up, drunk, like kind of almost like kind of pudgy, you know, actor that's like kind of meet, meeting his end, and he doesn't know where he's gonna go, and you almost forget about like the Manson cult background. Of it. Yeah, because you're so like ingrained in like DiCaprio like stealing the show. But like his performance is insane. One thing I did like was his approach to editing in this one was a little bit different. It was a little bit it's unconventional. stranger, you know, yeah. but like it really was cool and it was just interesting to see what he did. But I loved that the whole time you're right that DiCaprio 100% like holds the movie on his back to me and Brad Pitt does an Brad, amazing yeah, Brad job Pitt too. Also. But like DiCaprio is really the emotional center of the movie. Um, it, it, DiCaprio, I mean, it just kind of like uh, revolves around him, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, he peppers in these scenes with Sharon Tate, Margot Robbie's character. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time you're reminded like, oh, something is going to happen something here. Something sinister like, we is know, building up. We know that historically, 
Sharon Tate was murdered by the Manson family or whatever with like her friends at their house. And so right. the whole time that's what you feel is, is happening. Is building up. I don't want to go there yet, but like that was what was so, it really pulls you in, even though this movie is a little long winded too, to be honest. Like, but it was super rewarding in the end. So it, right. it, it all was it's worth justified. it. It was warranted for sure. But in, at first, the first 45 minutes to 60 minutes for me, I was like, a little I'm, uneasy. I'm wondering, no, not uneasy, just like I'm wondering where this thing is going to go. You know but what I mean? But I love that someone's ninth movie can still have you guessing up until the very end. Like, yeah. what the fuck is going to happen? I did not expect that. Like, so, so let's talk about uh, Charles Manson maybe a little bit because I feel yeah. like everybody knows. It's a it's high profile thing. Everybody in the world knows. These were like some of the first, I guess, serial killings or whatever in Hollywood. So. Charles Manson was kind of friends with uh, Brian Wilson and Terry. Is it Terry? Terry Wilson, Wilson the drummer from, from the Beach Boys, and he's that's the one he was like better friends with, and he actually right. stayed with him at his house. And so like he that. was like dropping acid with them, yeah, and staying at their house, which they moved out of, and Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate moved into, and that so is he, all somehow tied up in his mind with like this idea for revenge when it comes to him having been rejected by kind of like. By everyone, yeah, I guess. So, but he he came upon uh, Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate by happenstance. He just like showed up at the house looking for Terry Wilson, and found and they're out, gone. Right, but but saw that Sharon Tate lived there, and somehow just filed it in his <laughs> brain for later, which is fucking terrifying. And yeah, wild. and I guess he was pissed off that the Beach Boys covered one of his songs on like a B side release of like a without single. crediting him. Yeah, that did happen. Right, and he was a failed musician, right? Like, he, right. Nev- he never... And I think that's one of the catalysts for this whole kind of set of events or whatever. Right, so he did have a following out in Spawn Ranch that did happen. So a lot yeah. of these locations in the movie, a lot of the events are, like, based on historical The timeline of some things that... But it's know. a Quentin Tarantino movie. So it's a reimagining, yeah. Yeah, so you're watching it through the lens, his lens of... Yeah someone that's going to do whatever the fuck they want. <laughs> yeah. Have a little bit of fun with it or whatever. Right. But Which it really was in the end. And, man, Tarantino, I mean, uh, DiCaprio is so good, man. Yeah. Like, there's a scene when his character really does some great acting. Yeah. He really does. Like, he, he really tr- finds his voice in this character and in this scene and they only have to shoot it one time, and the director's like, "That was great, man! Like that was that was sexy it. Hamlet, yeah, <laughs> sexy. scary Hamlet." And he's like, "I love, I'm scared." He's like, "I'm scared," and it was, but like he improvised a bit, yeah. And he like he that just was great. What was that? Yeah, he's like he really he really found himself in the scene, and the whole thing is basically shot from the perspective of the camera, basically, right? Right, like, for, right. For the television show that they're filming. And that's what another thing about this movie that I loved was it was like a love letter to Hollywood at this time. Yeah, like golden age, 50s and 60s, like Hollywood. 60s, like turn of the, you know, decade at 60s, 70s. Right, right. But like, I love that about it. And I feel like there were little Easter eggs in there, like how he used a, he used a, um, a scene that he had used in Jackie Brown, like uh, a casting location, you know, or not a, a location. The, he used a location that he, scene. yeah. Yeah, he used a location that he had used in Jackie Brown, and I think he did it really well in a tasteful way, and it was done a little bit differently, but very much the same to where you're like, oh, that was in Jackie Brown, you know? Yeah, and you said too that you saw 
I guess on the theater Mid-Mew on like one of the theater uh, marquees. Right, that Sharon Tate goes to. Yeah, and Mew, and Mimu is from Inglorious Bastards. Like that's her family name. Right, the French the French girl that owns the that cinema. owns the cinema. Yeah, right, where Hitler died. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I love that they were, it, it it really was thoughtful throughout. And I think that DiCaprio is undeniable in this movie. It emotionally resonates. And I've said all that to say before, that scene, what I loved about it was when he finally does arrive in his own, like, skin as an actor in the moment and he, he finds his voice, the the little kid, uh, this, this younger actress is played um, in the film and, and she's, you know, kind of been like, uh, almost like talking down to him yeah like a, a counterpoint to him to be like you kind of need to get your shit together you know right like we're here to do a job and like don't you want to be the best version of yourself that you can be as an actor like I think that those things that would impede my performance I shouldn't do and like yeah. don't talk to me unless you're addressing me as my character name and like so she's kind of showing him up and then he kind of digs in and finds his voice and she's like that's the best acting I've ever seen and he almost starts crying <laughs> no he does yeah, like, and it's like dude up. that scene for me was like I felt I Rick really did Dalton. I really did feel something in that scene I dude, felt like even when he's like in his trailer it, which, this scene is in the trailer for the movie but he fucks up some lines and just him like and then he like redoes the line he's like fucking stuttering bears yourself off front of all those fucking people <laughs> it's like you're a fucking drunk like, you're a fucking alcoholic you're and quit he, fucking drinking you're gonna quit fucking drinking and then tonight. he grabs the flask and has one more gl- shot oh, and then throws it out he's like, Fuck. <laughs> yeah he's just brilliant throughout uh brad pitt is I, incredible yeah in i love seeing let's them not together. understate that you know because he plays the point man just right you know yeah i dude seeing them together is something like like magical it is like a magical cinematic moment it's and like seeing joe pesci and de niro or something you know or like, or like pacino and de-, and de niro yeah, yeah it's like that it's like dude these are two greats just sharing the screen and in a way that's so like ebb and flow and they really just perfectly suit each other you yeah, know yeah and it's Brad- like, how have we not seen this before you know that's what's really crazy to me is because it seems like that would happen in like a oceans movie or something but brad pitt did say like they had chemistry like the first time they met on set he said like they went and read some lines together and and hung out and he said it was just like super yeah, organic like they, awesome, they both have this like respect for one another yeah i mean at this point it's like these two they're they're peers you know and they're they're almost peerless as actors so it's yeah. like if you have that contemporary who's like you know dude it, seeing them on screen together was super awesome and the final act of this movie is insane and i don't want to go there i don't want to give anything away all right but it was fucking amazing <laughs> and i would say absolutely go see it I think this was, man, this was strong. Yeah. I think I need to see it again. It was a little bit long, I'd say. I'd go four stars. Uh, I, confidently, I'd go four stars. Yeah? Yeah. So I would say, like, the the one thing holding it back for me from it being, like, a five-star movie, you know, like, I gave Inglorious Bastards five stars. Yeah. Um, the pacing is a little, is a little long, and yeah. I feel like, in, I so, in some it. ways, it's justified. But, yeah, you did leave, uh, lean <laughs> over like, halfway through. It's kind of slow. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of slow. And I do love that that the director of Pulp Fiction, you know, and Reservoir Dogs 
is still making movies, still making good movies, yeah. still making relevant movies. movies with great actors, great dialogue, uh, great writing. The the music's awesome. Yeah. Uh, they 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 play on the audience expectation a lot, totally. and that's about as far as I'll go with that. But like, it's really fun. He's too. still he's still like challenging the the norm of cinema, and he's still like making you second guess yourself and keeping you on on your toes. Yeah, at the edge of your seat, you know. And Even, he's been doing it for thirty years. And and you know what's most impressive about that for this movie for me is that it is long winded, it is verbose, and like it is mostly reliant on dialogue and mm-hmm. performance. You know. It's not like an action-packed movie by any means at all. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. But at the same time, it really does pull you in, so it's like, that's hard to do. And I, I think that he was almost making a statement with this one, too, because oh. he's kind of known for being ultra-violent, right? Relying a lot on effects. And, and controversy, and, almost. like Right, a lot of death, a lot of, you know, like bloody... Use of gratuitous language, all kinds of stuff. Right, this one, he toned it back a lot. More understated. In those ways, right? But he he pumped up like his character development, yeah, and a lot of and like, the emotional the, bit of the movie was vi- the, those were the strongest beats of the movie to me, right? So this was, con- was seeing him like break down in Brad Pitt's arms, and Brad Pitt being like, "Here, wear these," and like giving them sunglasses. <laughs> Don't it's let just, him like, see you crying. Their relationship in the movie is so awesome too. Like it reminds you of you know it like reminds you of your like best friend. You know, it's yeah. Like, even the part so <laughs> Kurt, my best friend like that's what it makes me think of you know it's like yeah Kurt Russell has this nice little voiceover and in the movie they go good they go to uh, Italy for a couple years so Rick Dalton can shoot some movies and it kind of fast forward goes six to months. six months later yeah. and he's talking about them like parting ways and he's like they did the thing that two men two men that are closer than brothers and not quite as close as wives wives do they get a, a good blind drunk, drunk. Yeah, yeah they get blind drunk <laughs> yeah and you did feel like these characters actually did like really care for and each love other. each other yeah and i was afraid the first time watching it i'm like man dicaprio's gonna like fuck brad pitt over they're gonna like see i love that it 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 subverted that, expectations yeah, almost in every way. Yeah, and that's usually what this style of movie is. There's usually some kind of betrayal like, at some point. There was yeah, no betrayal. You're my fucking, you yeah. know, usually you have the scene like, no, you're my stuntman. Yeah, You'd yeah. be nothing without yeah. me. But DiCaprio Never like happened. legitimately like loves Brad Pitt. Yeah. Like, he, he like loves him like a brother and like lets him stay at his house. Right. And, like he like doesn't want to like. Not even just lets him. It's like sometimes he needs him there because yeah. he's not doing so well. And he's like, you know, well, buddy. Official. He's like, I'm washed up. I'm, my I'm husband. Husband. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, at the same time, it's like, who hasn't felt that way, you know? Yeah. Who hasn't just felt like, you know, fuck, my best days are behind me or whatever, you know? Even as a kid, you think like, Dude, the part- you know, you're always in your own head. And so it's, and just seeing that in a character represented so well on screen and DiCaprio just, you, you really feel for him, you know? Yeah. When and their relationship. When he's like, telling that little girl about the book he's reading that's about this bronco buster and he he got a spine injury and he can't ride as well and the girl's like that sounds really sad and i haven't even read the book he's like well you'll be living it about 15 years (laughs) from now (laughs) yeah he's like he's like you realize in every day he's like you're just a little bit more useless and he's just like crying and she's like she's like oh don't be upset you know she's like the adult in the situation he's like really going through it you know but she's kind of counseling him be like it's okay man he really was great, and I think this is going to be remembered as like one of the high points and and 
I love it, man. I, I just having seen DiCaprio in so many amazing movies and his relationship to Scorsese to me is like one of my favorite oh, yeah. parts of like movie making in the last like 30 years or whatever however like they've been working together now for probably like 15 years or something and, and i think eventually and even a longer stretch than that like i love the way that scorsese worked with de niro and that they were kind of, they had a very similar similar relationship to how scorsese is working with dicaprio now you know yeah it's like, who's the best actor of their time let me like work with this person for like right i'm gonna focus on this yeah. guy for like these movies yeah a number of films and so seeing tarantino work with dicaprio is also really inspiring and really fun to watch because it's like it's seeing some uh, different directors approach and like also how dicaprio responds to that direction right you right. know what i mean so this movie for me i'd say four stars for sure four stars I think I'd And I might even go higher. I I have to see it again, you know? I think I'd agree with four stars. I've seen it twice. The first time, I was almost kind of just, like, confused about, like, what... It it took me, like, a little bit to process. But in the end, you didn't... You weren't like, wow, that was awesome. No, I I do think it's awesome. I I still think it's awesome. But even the first time, I mean, like... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew it was more better than than not better. Right, right. It's like what you were talking about earlier with your top... Your top... Quentin Tarantino yeah, movies, yeah. they can't You're all be all compa- in your top five. It's hard not to compare everything to everything else. You know, it's hard not to compare his movies to each other because they're all so good. Yeah. But I would say at least four. And this was the biggest release of a Quentin Tarantino movie. So the, I love it, man. The, I want I want nothing more than just more and more success for him because it's just we don't have that many of his type that are, you know, getting the creative it's, it's freedom, a dying breed. yeah, man. To auteurs who are getting the creative control and freedom to be able to do whatever they want, and it's always so good. So it's like, I love that the these film studios respect him enough to where they'll just leave him alone. And it seems like he can just do whatever he wants, and I always yeah, love that. and that's that's. So I know we've talked about this probably a billion fucking times on the <laughs> show, but that's the problem with the big budget corporate fucking movie is they the movie just machine. throw John Favreau at it and say like oh he did a good job with uh, a couple of these with Jungle Book and, and you know, Iron so, Man yeah so he can do this movie and then it flops and it's like man fuck you John Favreau we got we'll we'll put another director in well the Quentin crazy Tarantino, thing is that it didn't flop actually The Lion King has well, been massively financially, financially successful but critically flopped yeah yeah but Quentin Tarantino I don't think he's got to get a script approved. I don't no. think he's got to do shit. I'm pretty sure he just shows up. His track up record, man. And they get they go, oh, you made like Everything. fucking Pulp Fiction <laughs> you and know? Reservoir Dogs to me, and Kill like, Bill. Like, here's two hundred million dollars. Go. There's have fun. Scorsese. There's Tarantino. There's, um, yeah, Christopher Nolan. There's Wes Anderson. Yeah. There's there's guys you can depend on to show up and make Spielberg most of the time. I mean, I guess no, nah, I mean maybe it's like half and half. Spielberg and the but 80s. like there's yeah, there's <laughs> names that you kind of have come to expect certain quality from. Right. But Tarantino is one of those first ones that I think of as an American filmmaker like that just represents excellence to me across the yeah. board. He has one dud to me and that's death proof, death proof. And everything after that is like or everything after and before, you know, everything other than that is basically great. And some of them are just varying degrees of like greatness, you of know, excellence. Or I guess like they're all at least good. Like three and a half is is like pretty solid. I don't know if I'd qualify that as great, but I think I gave every one other than one like a four. Yeah. So, I I mean you or one or two, yeah. 
I, I just hope that, you know, there is some sort of change in into that direction. I know, you know, we just talked about Ari Aster pretty recently, how yeah. he's doing more interesting things. To Love me, Jordan, Jordan Peele, Peele has started on, like, a really high note. Yeah. There's... Um, Villain uh, you? Yeah. I love... Uh, uh, he's been doing some really interesting stuff. Dude, you Prisoners, know. Sick, Ex Blade Machina, Runner, uh, 2049. Right? No, that was... um. What? Is that not him? That's... uh. Who is that? I th- that's I another sworn. dude. No, that's another dude. But but go on. But, I mean, there, there are these people... There are guys we can expect great things from, but it seems like the focus is just undoubtedly on franchise movies. Right. It's not on that's standalone the, pictures. That's what... The big pull, you know. Right. They just had Comic Con a few weeks ago, and everybody was fucking, you know, over the moon about all these new Marvel announcements they've made and all the new Star Wars dumb bullshit that they're doing, and it's just like right. You know what? Um, what else this guy did? The guy who actually did, um, Ex Machina. He did uh, the beach. He did with DiCaprio. Yeah, he did Sunshine. Have you ever seen that movie? He did 28 Days Later. Really? This is funny. A little offshoot. But yeah, I, like... I don't know why I thought that. To me, Tarantino represents the best of the best American filmmakers. There's just Scorsese above him to me. Wes Anderson is like a tie with Tarantino, just a totally different kind of filmmaker. But yeah, I feel like, like he's... Yeah, the, the most opposite way. And Kubrick, fuck. I mean, Kubrick may, definitely is, yeah, is up there, too. Yeah, but it's hard to even... That's like a, the, tr- the, the trinity. <laughs> the it's holy like, trinity. It's like Scorsese, DiCaprio, and Kubrick. And, and they're all equal, you know? <laughs> The uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man. <laughs> um, I think we, yeah, we nailed it. Yeah, we did all of them. Uh, yeah, that's actually, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't even prepared for that, but we did. We it. we went through it. So we've <laughs> we've seen every Tarantino movie. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. And some of them I've only seen once, like Jackie or uh, Death, Death Proof. Proof. I've seen I've once. Seen Jackie Brown. I've seen maybe twice. But the I think fact I've seen Death Proof twice. I mean, I could put it. like Pulp Fiction on any day and pick it up at any scene and know exactly what's it is always great i don't find myself throwing it on as much you know because just because i've seen it so many times right versus something like inglorious bastage is on netflix right now and i've watched that a couple times since it's been on there um it's just super rewarding it's reservoir dogs i'll always watch if it shows up uh anywhere um yeah man i mean i just feel like tarantino that's the best creme de la creme <laughs> and go see this movie once upon a oh, time definitely. in hollywood was awesome uh, I want to go see it again. But you've seen it twice. So would you see this again? Maybe when it comes out, would you like I'd stream it? I'd see it again, but I watched it. Uh, I did watch it two times in like three days. So in the maybe, theater. Yeah, yeah, in the theater. So I might. You're give, good You're good for now. Give it a little bit. But I'd, I would watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, real quick, before we sign out. Yeah, go for it. Go check out our Instagram page, Boom. Movie Night with John and Sean. Post, yeah, uh, follow us on there. We're going to, you know keep kind of updating that and we want to get more involved on what you guys think we should review next yeah we want to take some uh, suggestions and we've got yeah. our first uh, five star review on uh, boom on apple podcast sarah sarah someone and i thought it was uh, my fiance but she swears <laughs> it wasn't her <laughs> uh, we appreciate you sarah yeah. and that was dope and we um Really appreciate y'all who are listening. We we just crossed our like thousand streams like on the last episode, and um, that's really cool. So stay tuned. We're on the up and up. Yeah, get out there, go to the movies. We'll see you out there. This is John. This is Sean. This is movie night with John and Sean. Beep beep. <laughs> 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 <laughs>